1: on The Readout.
2: So to be clear, my hold is still in place. The hold will remain in place as long as the Pentagon's illegal abortion policy remains in place. If the Pentagon lifts the policy, then I will lift my hold. It's easy as that.
1: Tommy Tuberville says last night's confirmation of our new chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff means Democrats blinked on his blockade of military promotions. What he really means is that he was outmaneuvered by Chuck Schumer and caved on his big harmful stand on abortion. Plus, former Joint Chiefs chairman General Mark Milley unloads on his former boss, Donald Trump, saying he did all he could all he could do to stop the man from trashing the U.S. Constitution. And later, you know her, you love her, the fabulous Leslie Jones joins me to talk about her hilarious new memoir. But we begin tonight with the reality that the world we live in is hanging by a thread as international leaders wrap up their annual General Assembly at the United Nations. The organization's chief delivered a dire warning to leaders from around the world one we would all be well advised
3: to heed. Our world is becoming unhinged. Geopolitical tensions are rising. Global challenges are mounting. And we seem incapable of coming together to respond.
1: He also told world leaders that humanity has opened the gates of hell by unleashing worsening heat waves, floods and wildfires seen around the world. Millions of people are dying because of our indifference. And indifference fueled by our addiction to oil and one of the main countries profiting off of that addiction is saudi arabia which is using its wealth to whitewash its atrocious human rights track record which includes likely responsibility for sawing to death u.s resident journalist or u.s resident journalist and being home to the 18 perpetrators to 18 of the perpetrators of the deadliest terrorist attack ever to take place on u.s soil The man behind the mission is Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who since taking control of the country, has launched a financial and media campaign to remake the country's image. Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund, known as the Public Investment Fund, is buying major stakes in American companies like Uber, Live Nation, Meta and Starbucks. They're also investing billions of dollars in Live Golf and the Grand Prix to add to their existing investments in U.S. media. And while the Saudis are buying access and power, hashtag Jared Kushner, the Ukrainians are literally dying for their right to live free from the oppressive grasp of Russia and their megalomaniacal leader, Vladimir Putin. As their fighters continue to die on the front lines, President Zelensky continues to plead for the world's help because, as he says, his men are dying to stop Putin in a third world war. President Zelensky took that message directly to the American Congress, where most Republicans have refused to help support the cause of freedom. He has a daunting task, because he has to convince the unserious, unhinged MAGA wing of the Republican Party—a party that pretends to be about freedom, but seems to prefer Putin and autocracy—that his cause is worth fighting for. While he would not share the details of his conversation, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer did.
0: There was a single sentence that summed it all up, and I'm
4: quoting him verbatim. Mr. Zelensky said, if we don't get the aid,
3: we will lose the war.
1: What he's up against is a stunningly feckless party more interested in pleasing an alleged criminal and serial liar, Donald Trump, who is currently holed up in his Howard Hughes-like estate in Florida. To wit, Speaker Kevin McCarthy, who has failed to display any leadership skills or desire to actually govern for all of the American people, Proudly rebuffed Zelensky's request to, a joint, to address a joint session
3: of Congress. Zelensky asked for a joint session. We just didn't have time to put the bipartisan uh, group of members together to meet with him.
5: No different than we did with anybody else.
1: America, this is the Speaker of the House of Representatives and the leader of a party that is actively tying one hand behind democracy's back. Think I'm being hyperbolic? Just take, for example, what his caucus did earlier today they actually sunk a procedural vote to consider their own $826 billion Pentagon spending bill, a bill that would fund the people who are defending the country. It's so bad that even the normally both sidesy media can't both sides it. Eight months in, Republicans have proved that they are incapable of governing. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is egging this incompetence on from the sidelines, urging the Republican party in a faux tweet to shut down the government And tank our economy because, frankly, he's terrified of going to prison. So he's demanding that his Republican lackeys defund Special Counsel Jack Smith. And he seems to genuinely believe that House Republicans can put an end to the investigation into his alleged crimes. At this point, this party is a complete shite show, and that is a cleaned-up quote from a member of their caucus. They are insistent on bringing this country to its economic knees, while watching the world burn. While that happens, they want to pass tax cuts to help the super-rich keep getting richer and richer, and bust unions that are fighting for a fair wage. Frankly, at this point, they don't care about the American people. They care about scoring political points and getting clips run on Fox.
3: Does the conference seem governable at this point? By anybody?
4: Um,
1: I, I know, to be honest. The worst part of this fiasco, Kevin McCarthy has sent his troops home for the weekend. Instead of job well done, it's job not done. I'm joined now by Massachusetts Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren, member of the Senate Banking, Finance, and Armed Services Committees. Senator, thank you so much for being here. And um, I mean, where to begin? (laughs) I guess we'll begin with the leader of the Republican Party who's doing it from Florida, Donald Trump, who has demanded—he said it's the last chance to stop the political prosecutions against him, meaning— the, but the, the funding the government and the, the the requirement, which has to begin in the House, he wants that to include defunding Jack Smith and the special prosecutor, the Jack Smith, the special prosecutor and the investigations against him. And if not, he says, shut the government down. Your thoughts.
6: Right. So, look, we've been talking about these extremist Republicans in the House of Representatives for several months now as... They keep making different demands, and every time some demands are met by Kevin McCarthy, they change what their demands are. And a lot of people think, well, you know, they just don't know what they want. They know exactly what they want. They want to do whatever they can to help Donald Trump. And that means right now, shut down the government because it will impose pain on On the American people, it will be damaging to the U.S. economy, and it will undermine us all around the world. And they believe, and Donald Trump believes, that that advances the likelihood that Donald Trump will be elected in 2024. So all of this has real purpose to it. The scary part is that So far, Kevin McCarthy is letting them run the country and move us in a direction of a government shutdown that really will do real damage to Americans, to people all around the world.
1: You know, it, it seems so far that Senate Rep- Senate Republicans have been very hands-off in all of this, despite all of the catastrophic implications of a government shutdown, which will hurt their states just as much as it'll hurt Republicans' districts in the House and Democrats' districts. Is there a plan B? Because spending bills obviously must emerge from the House. But is there some conversation about what to do if they shut the government down? What then?
6: You know, it, this is the problem. It takes— both houses of Congress, the House and the Senate, to agree on a spending bill, whether it's a short term or whether it's the overall budget for next year, in order to keep the government funded. There's no way around the decision that Kevin McCarthy has to make about whether he leaves a handful of extremists in charge who are just hell-bent on imposing pain on the American people so that Donald Trump can improve his chances of getting elected in 2024, or whether Kevin McCarthy is gonna say enough of this, I've got plenty of other Republicans, plus a lot of Democrats, who would vote in favor of a reasonable spending bill just to keep the government up and running, keep our economy going, and keep us doing the actual business of the government. That's what we should be doing.
1: You know, one of the pieces of business that needs to be done is to pass a defense authorization bill. Now, this there yep. was a pre-negotiated you know negotiated bill that was a done deal. It was just a procedural vote to push it through. Uh, that has not happened. Meanwhile, on the Senate side, Tommy Tuberville has been grinding the process of military promotions to a halt. That ended a little bit today. There now will be a, a replacement for the Joint Chiefs Chair, Mark Milley. What is the plan there? Because we've done the math, or actually some, some folks have done the math, it would take about, what, 30 days or, or a couple of months if we oh, if they're done longer one by than that. one.
6: How long would it take? <laughs> longer and, than and, that, actually. Oh, some of the estimates, you know, it's if we go eight hours a day, seven days a week, all the way around, people are talking about hundreds of days that would be chewed up with the military nominations. And that's time that we can't spend voting on a budget. It's time we can't spend confirming judges. It's time we can't spend on all of the other nominations that we have as well, like ambassadorships and assistant secretaries of different agencies. But understand this, what Senator Tuberville has done undermined our national security. He has made America a riskier country now. And don't just take my word for it. Take the word of our active duty military, of our retired military, and even of Republicans who have stepped up and said, this is dangerous for the United States of America. And think what it means. You you couldn't ask for better propaganda for our adversaries than the fact that the United States of America cannot get its military leaders into their duty stations so they can actually do their jobs. That's where we are. Now, Senator Tuberville is starting to feel a lot of heat, A lot of heat around the Senate and a lot of heat nationally. What we've now seen is that there's a crack that has opened. So last night, uh, and again today, Leader Schumer moved three military nominations forward altogether so that we didn't spend days and days on it as the Senate rules would otherwise require. That is eight. First step in getting this done. But make no mistake, we have to do more. We have more than 300 nominees who are hanging out there, more than 300 military families who are trying to manage homes in two places because they can't get from where they are right now to the next duty station, Um, children who have not been registered in the right schools. a, 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 a political football that we, that Senator Tuberville has turned our military into. We have to put a stop to this and we have to find a way to move all of these people through together. Our national defense depends on moving our military leaders forward and getting Senator Tuberville out of the way.
1: Um, you know, it, it it seems that um what Taberville is doing, what others are doing does seem in many instances uh to entertain uh essentially to entertain the viewers of of one network, Fox, uh, and other right-wing media. Um, It doesn't seem that there's a governing purpose beyond that, uh, oftentimes. You have called Fox uh, a dangerous, you know, factory of lies and and, and been very blunt in your assessment of the damage that they've done to our democracy. Do you have a comment on the fact that Rupert Murdoch at 92 is now stepping stepping down uh, and is becoming an emeritus and no longer will be running that company?
6: Rupert Murdoch built a hate-for-profit machine, and that machine has undermined our democracy and done incalculable damage to this nation. I'm glad he's leaving, but I wish he'd never come.
1: I want to ask you also about Saudi Arabia. You know, we, Brett Baer uh, mm-hmm. at Fox did an interview with uh, Prince Salman. They are laundering their reputation through lots and lots of purchases and investments in everything from golf to you name it. They're, they're throwing money around, including what they gave to uh, Jared Kushner, $2 billion to him, a $1 billion to Steve Mnuchin. What are they buying uh, for all that largesse, and what is the U.S. You know, getting out of it? Because it does seem that what they're getting is a laundry that they're calling the United States and our culture.
6: You know, Joy, I think you think about this exactly the right way. They are trying to find a way to put a prettier face on a lot of horrific actions that both this leader has taken directly and that the kingdom itself has underwritten around the world. And I get it. It'll work in some circles, but I guarantee what they've done so far, not good enough for most people around the world.
1: And a final question, just to come back to the Senate again, because the the person Mm -hmm. who should be uh, the most influential over someone like a Tommy Tuberville would be Mitch McConnell. He's had uh, some obvious Mm -hmm. health issues uh, recently and some falls, and we've seen some things happen on camera that were fairly disturbing. Is he in charge? Where is Mitch McConnell? Because he doesn't seem to have been a very prominent figure in pushing back against some of these abuses. And we have a government shutdown potentially in nine days.
6: Well, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. Senator Tuberville has been enabled by all of the Republicans in the Senate. The Republicans in the Senate have permitted him for seven months now to block military leaders. From going to their posts and doing their work. And they've gone along with it. They've looked the other way when they've been asked about it. They've mumbled and fumbled and let Senator Tuberville continue to inflict growing trouble and pain on our national defense. I put this on the entire Republican Senate uh, caucus. They are the ones who together, under the leadership of Senator McConnell, need to stop this with Senator Tuberville. This has got to end. Um, right, I was I was over uh, talking with the folks in NATO just a few weeks ago, and they talked about what it means that we don't actually have anyone over there to lead the delegation. And they talked about how rank matters. You have to have the right person in the room. And when we have someone who's just in an acting position and lower rank, it's a way to say to our allies, you're not serious in this alliance. And our our support then wanes at that point. So you can replicate that right now all around the globe. I just can't underscore enough the Urgency of stopping Senator Tuberville as he continues to undercut our national security.
1: Senator Elizabeth Warren, thank you. Thank you very much um, for your time. Much appreciated. You bet. And coming up next on the readout, Republicans are all in a tizzy wondering why they keep getting blamed for trying to shut down the government. I don't know. Maybe it's because they keep trying to shut down the government. The readout continues after this.
5: and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org slash future.
3: We are um, completely dysfunctional. This is not uh, conservative Republicanism. This is stupidity. Uh, the idea that we're gonna shut the government down uh, when we don't control the Senate, we don't control the White House. These people can't define a win they don't know how to take yes for an answer, Uh, it's a clown show.
1: House Republicans on the dumpster fire on top of a runway train headed off a cliff that is their caucus. Speaker Kevin McCarthy is running out of options to avoid a government shutdown after ultra right-wing members smacked down his second attempt this week to move on a Pentagon spending bill. As reality sinks in, some Republicans are accepting their fate. Without a shred of self-awareness, Idaho Congressman Mike Simpson told Politico, quote, we always get the blame. Name one time <laughs> that we've shut the government down and we haven't got the blame. Dude, read your sentence again. You shut the government down. <laughs> I'm joined now by George Conway, conservative lawmaker and contributing columnist for The Washington Post and Paul Reichoff, founder of Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America and host of the Independent Americans podcast. I mean... George, I'm going to read that sentence again. Name one time when we have shut the government down that we haven't gotten the blame. I don't know, name one time that I punched somebody in the face and then I haven't gotten the blame for hurting the person and making put a scar on their face. That kind of sentiment where Republicans are whining that they're going to get the blame and then they're going to shut the government down. What is going on?
3: Well, it, it's even worse than that, because <laughs> at least in the past, you could figure out something That the Republicans were trying to obtain that made some level of sense, some concrete goal that they had. Maybe it might really be a little fuzzy at times, Uh, and that and they were using the threat of a shutdown or refusal to agree uh, to obtain that. That's not what's going on now, and I think that's what these members of Congress are trying to convey. This is this isn't. You know, we, I heard the phrase extreme Republicans, extreme conservatives are this isn't conservative. We're, we've gotten to a stage where conservatives don't support the military, conservatives <laughs> don't support the military, Terry, don't support the rule of law. This isn't conservatism, it's nihilism. These are people who want, and it's just basically destruction for destruction's sake. They want to shut down the government because they want to make points and earn and get money from small donors and get on Fox News and get on OAN and get on Newsmax and say, look, we've fought the big government. They're just anti-government for the sake of government, being anti-government without any reasoning about what kind of government they want. that includes being anti-military and anti-everything. And it's that they're just it's a it's a road to nowhere, it's a road to destruction.
1: Well, I mean if you want to talk anti-military, Paul, I mean I don't know what would be more anti-military than essentially stopping all promotions inside of the military for an unlike thing because you don't like abortion. And the military is not paying for abortions. They're just saying, "Hey, if you need to travel out of Alabama because it's illegal in Alabama, you can get some you know money to travel so that you don't go broke. It's not like military people are getting rich being in the military. They don't have extra money. But he's like, "I don't like abortion, so therefore it's shut down. Uh, there's reporting that Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, actually went in and confronted him himself. And even that didn't move him. What is happening?
0: It's radical. It's reckless. It's ridiculous, but it's also coordinated. And and you and I have talked a bit about this in, in the past, Joy. This is not accidental. This is a strategy. I've called it the American insurgency. This is a group of people that want to obstruct dismantle, overthrow our government. And they're trying to do it in different ways. And, and Tommy Tuberville has become the leader of this radical group in the Senate that wants to blow up everything. They're kind of like political suicide bombers. They want to go in and achieve their ideological agenda at the expense of anything to include our military. It's the same guy who supported white nationalism in the military. And now he and 10 others blocked uh, CQ Brown, who's an overwhelmingly qualified American hero for the uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I've called him Senator Redneck. I think that's what Tuberville is. He embodies this <laughs> backward ideology, and he has friends. And 10 of his friends were the only 11 U.S. senators who voted against C.Q. Brown last night. And it's like a laundry list of the most radical and ridiculous members of the Senate. They're calling themselves out. So I give Schumer credit for finally pushing a vote. I think Warren's right. She's finally throwing punches. That's what's been long overdue. And independents like me have been sitting there saying, somebody just stop this madness. And I think they need to go further. Call for Tuberville to resign. Get him out of the Senate. Stop him from endangering our national security and helping our enemies, because it is bigger than just politics. It's about our national security. And now it's also about international stability. It's also about Ukraine. So it's much bigger than just Tuberville, and it's increasingly dangerous and damaging.
1: Yeah, I mean, the House side, they're also refusing to fund uh, Ukraine. They want to stop that, too. But I'll just stay with you for just a minute, Paul, because there is a certain contempt for the military, who they claim to support, that is at the root of it. And that does come from Trump. I want to read this stunning piece of this Atlantic profile of General Mark Milley, who I think has been really heroic and being very blunt about talking about issues, I think, that are really, uh, really important. And this is it. At a welcome ceremony at Joint Base Meyer Henderson Hall across the Potomac River from the Capitol, Milley gained an early and disturbing insight into Trump's attitude towards soldiers. Millie had chosen a severely wounded Army captain, Louis Avila, to sing God Bless America. Avila, who had completed five combat tours, had lost a leg in an IED attack in Afghanistan and had suffered two heart attacks, two strokes, and brain damage as a result of his injuries. To Millie and to four-star generals across the Army, Avila and his wife, Claudia, represented the heroism, sacrifice, and dignity of wounded soldiers. It had rained that day and the ground was soft. At one point, Avila's wheelchair threatened to topple over. After Avila's performance, Trump walked over to congratulate him, but then said to Milly, with an earshot of several witnesses, why do you bring people like that here? No one wants to see that, the wounded. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Millie, who, by the way, Millie is going to have him sing at his retirement party. That kind of disgusting attitude toward uh, a wounded veteran, that's Trump. Is that, is what, is that what's infected the party?
0: yes. Absolutely. I mean, it's a culture of contempt. It's a culture that he has encouraged. It's a culture that he has seeded all across this, this country. And it is a movement of people who have contempt for all things honorable and, and, and with integrity. And, and re- most ridiculously, they've made a consistent focal point, our national security and our military. I mean, this is no longer the party of John McCain and Colin Powell and people like that. They, they would be flabbergasted if they saw where the Republican Party has come now. We're not just Trump, but Tuberville and Ron DeSantis and everyone else has made their number one attack talking point, the military. So I think it's also a contrast in where America is right now. You've got like disgusting people with no honor, no integrity, and you've got these really honorable people that are defending democracy and holding the line. And that's Millie and CQ Brown and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. And it's gut check time for America. You've got to look at this contrast and I applaud them for stepping forward. I wish they could speak out more, but in the meantime, we've got to continue to try to elevate those voices when they do start to leak out and hold the line and fight someone like Tuberville who's endangering our national security. He's doing the work of Putin and our enemies for them.
1: George, you know, I mean, Donald Trump's that story about Donald Trump, he and Mark Milley are sort of polar opposites on the human spectrum in so many ways. I mean, Milley, you know, was very apologetic after walking almost to that disgusting display outside the White House when Trump wanted to hold a Bible upside down, et cetera. And, you know, admitted it was wrong and has tried to defend the country. What do you make of Donald Trump's attitude in that that anecdote there
3: uh, versus Mark Milley? Well, I mean, they are complete opposites, complete moral opposites. You have one man who is patriotic, who is selfless, who wants to do the best, the right by the country, and you have another person who does not care about the country, does not care about its people, and only cares about himself. I mean, if, if, if Donald Trump were to, you know, give a speech to, to explain what he thinks the country should be doing and what we should be doing for the country, it would be, ask not what you can do for the country, for the country. Ask not what the country can do for you. Ask what you and the country can do for me. It's all about him. And that's, you know, he, he is, I said this earlier uh, on Twitter. I mean, there's no good way to say it. He is scum. Um, yeah. uh, and i and frankly, uh, when I say that, I, 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 I am insulting scum. <laughs> George Conway,
1: subtle as always. Paul Rykoff, equally subtle with your opinions. You guys got to stop being let's try. Thank you both very much. Still to come, my interview with the great Leslie Jones. But first, as the summer of strikes transitions into fall, union workers continue fighting for their livelihoods while Republicans brag about being union busters. More on that next.
3: Alpha One Niner, commence Wi Fi device checklist. Laptops on. TVs.
1: New hopes for a deal with the Riders Guild come as the auto worker strike shifts into high gear. The United Auto Workers Union has declared a strike targeting Ford, General Motors and Stellantis in a bid to put pressure on the car makers to grant higher pay, among other improvements. The strike coincides with a burst of union momentum in the past couple of years. The Republicans, including those running for president, remain committed to their deeply unpopular anti-union stance.
6: I was a union buster. I didn't want to bring in companies that were unionized. Ronald
2: Reagan gave us a great example when federal employees decided they were going to strike. He said, you strike, you're fired. Simple concept to me, to the extent that we could use that once again, absolutely.
1: Donald Trump, however, is taking a different approach. He's planning to travel to Detroit to win over current and former union members instead of attending next week's second Republican primary debate. The UAW president has denounced the performative move, saying, quote, every fiber of our union is being into fighting the billionaire class and an economy that enriches people like Donald Trump at the expense of workers. Joining me now is Bishop William Barber, co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign and professor and founding director of the Center for Public Theology and Public Policy at Yale Divinity School. Bishop Barber, always good to see you. Just to go back for a moment to the two South Carolina candidates for president bragging about busting unions and saying, you know, Tim Scott saying, hey, you know, if you strike, you get fired. They come from a State that is where the jobs from Detroit are going. It's not as Donald Trump lied and said it's to China. It's down south to non-union facilities where people make less money. What do you make of this fight essentially between Americans over work and wages?
2: Yeah, well, Joy, you know, Nikki Haley isn't just anti work and anti union. She was pro Confederate flag supporter. She didn't pull it down until nine people were killed in the church. Uh, she's been on the wrong side of voting rights, the wrong side of, of restoring the Voting Rights Act. She's been against Medicare and, and health care and living wages. When she was governor, over 1.9 million South Carolinians were poor and low income. 38% of the state, she didn't do anything about that. Uh, One million people, a uh, workforce uh, made less than a, a $15 an hour. She didn't do anything about that. Over 500,000 people uninsured during the pandemic, she didn't do anything about that. Neither did Tim Scott. You know, they are showing their colors. I am actually glad that this debate is happening because what they normally want to do is hide behind cultural wars, and talk about immigrants and gay people and being against wokeism. And the American people don't really get to see what they're really against is you being able to buy food, you being able to eat, you being able to pay your bills. And so it's it's critical that we see this. But on the other side, when you see Trump making this move, you know, autocrats have often down through history, to the working class and the poor in a time of economic tension. And the Biden administration, I think, needs to take this very seriously. They need to convene a major gathering with and religious leaders and poor and low-wage workers' union or non-union, and let's get living wages back on the agenda. Let's get it back in the narrative. In fact, the Senate ought to pass it. Schumer and them ought to pass it. Uh, uh There ought to be a major gathering, because if not, don't underestimate the ability of Trump to slip in and try to take some of these workers off with him.
1: Uh, but we There's a labor expert named uh, Merrick Masters um, who said that the, De- the Detroit Three—we're just talking about auto workers—they pay about $64 an hour, but competitors, to foreign vehicles at U.S. factories where the union does not represent those workers, pay about $55 an hour. Rival electric vehicle, vehicle maker Tesla, which is non-union, it's down to $45 and $50 an hour. We are essentially, even with switching to electric, which is great, better for the environment. It feels like the auto industries are shifting to lower and lower and lower wage work. How do we reconcile that when we want the green jobs, but we want people to make a living wage and make money, like you said, to be able to buy food and afford to live?
2: Well, until you raise the bottom wage up, you're going to actually have this ability for people to play the other wages down. That's why I'm saying that one of the things we need to do is, you know, Biden needs to say to folks, if you had, if, if my policy had passed, if 49 Republicans and two Democrats had not stood against us, 50 million people would have had a minimum wage of more than $15 an hour. And then that would have an impact upward. Uh, as long as you allow the minimum wage to be at $7, you give all this room to play. And that's why we can't allow union workers and non-union to be paid off against each other, on the basic issue of a minimum living wage. But we have to challenge this business of green jobs and then uh, uh, um, the wages constantly going down. What we're seeing in the Republicans is all they really care about is propping up billionaires and the CEOs. And their goal is profit, not profit sharing. And we've got to keep this issue out front. That's why this union movement and these strikes are so important right now in the political narrative because without them, Then the Republicans get to hide behind the cultural wars. They get to hide behind, uh, uh, who, where the immigrant is or against trans people. They actually don't want this conversation. Trump is smart enough to see that, even though, and that's why he's trying to move in and take, peel some people off. But Democrats should take this on right now. They, they, even though they don't have the House, they should pass everything they can in the Senate. You, You heard me say there should be a major mock gathering of moral religious leaders and workers, poor Low wage workers, workers union and union right now in the midst of this to make sure that this narrative does not change because we can get some people exposed if we do it. Right.
1: Bishop William Barber, uh, as always, thank you very much and hopefully uh, the Democrats are listening. Up next, I recently spoke with the wonderfully hilarious Leslie Jones about her terrific new memoir. That conversation is next. You don't want to miss it.
4: I'm 53 years old, Joy. I've been I've been through a lot of presidencies. You know what I'm saying? I, I was, I, you know, I was around with Reagan. I was, I, I've been here a long time, and I have a great sense of humor. And you have to have a great sense of humor in life because either you're gonna cry all night or you're gonna laugh. I would rather laugh. That
1: was the hilarious Leslie Jones back in her first ever appearance on MSNBC on this show. Back in 2020, on the importance of laughing through the pain. You may know Leslie Jones from SNL, her time filling in as host on The Daily Show, and her thirsting after our very own Steve Kardecki.
4: I'm <laughs> rebellious from the top. When people tell me good morning, I say, no, it's not. You don't know my morning. Don't take away my choice to have a bad morning. Because women, because when women have a choice, Women have freedom. It's like, what does this man have to do to get thrown out of Congress? He's a liar. Black people don't get believed when they actually tell the truth. This guy was like, I was a millionaire Jewish volleyball star. And y'all like, hell yeah, put him in Congress. We're back together again, boo! Who's supposed to be for us, Steve? Us. Your khakis and your gap shirt and your regular f- tie, dude, and your two tone belt, you belong to
5: us! <laughs>
1: But Jones has an introspective side to her as well, which she explores in her new memoir, Leslie Evan Jones, about what she went through to get where she is today. She writes, one of the reasons I'm on this planet. I was built to be strong and I want to share it, pay it forward. I know it's my job to help other black girls and women get strong like me. And I'm joined now by the one and only, the great Leslie Jones. My my, my best in my head. (laughs) what one day we have to hey, here hey, hey listen so this is the book uh and I'm so excited about it and that you told your story because I have to be honest I have seen you do stand up sis I have watched you of course on s n l but you know I think people really don't understand what you have come through to be you so talk a little bit mm-hmm. about you know just you yourself growing up and what it was like
4: well i mean You know, like I had a normal like, you know, you have the normal middle class family. My father was in the military. My mom did, you know, whatever odd jobs that she had at the time to, you know, to make ends meet. We had just, you know, regular life, like a regular black family life. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something that's just like totally, uh, special, but not unspecial either. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The thing about the book I wanted to write was to let people know that that everybody has a dream, but you have to have a path to that dream. And it starts when you're younger, it starts, it it starts way young, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, you, well, I happen to know from your book that one of your dreams was to play in the WNBA. Talk about this. Tell this story a little bit, how you got sidetracked from supposedly being a
4: WNBA star to comedy. Well, honestly, I was I was on a basketball scholarship uh, and my coach uh, got recruited to uh, Division One College and he recruited me. And, you know, at the time, like I, I didn't really I don't know if I didn't have no dreams. I just had the thing that I knew I could do. And that was play basketball. So I was like, okay, well, when I finish in college, I'll go overseas, you know, and play because and, there wasn't a WNBA when I was coming up. So yeah. I'll just go play overseas. And uh, one of my friends at that college entered me into a comedy contest and that was it. That, that was, was just it. like a sidetrack. It wasn't a sidetrack. It was a beginning. If yeah. I, if I, because To me, basketball might have been the sidetrack or basketball might have been the the, the, uh, you know, the, the way to get to where I am now.
1: And you're really candid in your book about surviving abuse. Um, and as you said, not as a victim, but as a survivor, but also just the world of comedy is a boys club. And so surviving the yeah. boys club, not just as a woman, but as a black woman, talk a little bit about mm-hmm. that and how it felt to tell those
4: stories. Well, oh, this is why I always tell everybody like, your life is not defined by a moment. I, I don't think so. I, everybody always like, there's one moment. No, there's a lot of moments. There's a, because you, it, it's very true about your life not ending at thirty years old. You know, you live to be fifty six. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? So it's not like it's not like the moment. It's a moment. And it shouldn't just define you as a person. It shouldn't define what you're going to do in this world. I always say circumstances are circumstances, but if you got the drive, if you got if you got the willpower, you got the you go out and do the work for it. Nobody can take it from you, no matter what. So what? It, 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 I know everybody survived things the way that they survived things, but I I don't I've never called myself a victim, you know, and I don't. I think anyone who does survive it is not a victim. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean... But you know boys club everywhere. I know you know.
1: Oh, oh, listen, trust me, girl. That's a whole nother conversation. We could totally have it. But I mean, the thing is, is that one of the things that I do love about you is that you're not afraid to be political. And there are some comedians who say, you know what, we want to steer away from the political stuff because you want to have the biggest audience possible. But you are very open about being political and talking about political issues Do you feel that in this sort of anti-woke environment, that can still work for a comedian on the come up that is trying to make it in the
4: industry? Especially if you try to interpret it. We are we're comedians like we talk to regular people. Mm -hmm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like 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 you, Joy, can go into a a, a classroom and and teach it like straight point to point to point. Me, I'm going to go and interpret what you said Mm -hmm. so people can laugh at it. Because when you laugh at it, you do examine what it is. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And yes. that's what our job is as a comedian to make all this hard stuff to understand it and to, to like not have a sense of humor about it. Because Lord have mercy it's 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 laughable as sometimes if, if, if oh my goodness, if we didn't have comedy we would be losing our minds if we'd have a sense of humor about some of the crazy stuff that is happening right now. And as far as getting involved, I, how can I put this? Like, how can I not? I am a black woman in America. <laughs> so, of course, I'm already involved. Yep. Me existing, me existing, the, the advocacy of me just existing mm-hmm. is, is an advocate for black people. So there's no way to not be involved. I mean, and I, and I, I don't shun people who don't. I get it, but I've just never been that one.
1: Amen. You sure haven't, sis. Uh, The book is Leslie (laughs) F. Jones. If you want to understand this, sister, you need to get this book. Uh, Leslie Jones, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. you
4: always, always, Joy.
1: That's tonight's readout. Be sure to tune in tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. Lawrence O'Donnell is sitting down with Michael Wolf for his first interview since Murdoch announced that he's stepping down as chairman of Fox.
4: There comes a point when the right to vote requires a fight to vote. MSNBC Films presents